Welcome everyone to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney. Our goal here is to give you some actionable takeaways that will help you lead your teams. Thanks for joining us on this leadership journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney, and I am so excited to welcome someone that I have worked with longer than anyone else, and that is Erica petrelli by who's with us today. Hello, Erica. Hi, Christine. I invited Erica to this one in particular. I've been saving her for you because we are going to focus today on maybe one of the most prolific assessments used in the workplace today, and that's the DISC assessment. We use the one called Everything DISC by Wiley, and so that's the one we're going to focus on today. But if you are interested at all in DISC or want to know what it is, or you're going to about to take it in your workplace, this will give you a good overview and some things that might be of interest to you of how to use this for your personal life or your work life. So I invited Erica here. We're both certified in everything DISC, but Erica does this all over the country for us, including with our own teams. So I wanted to invite her today to talk a little bit about her experiences using DISC and how it could be helpful for you or your teammates. So hello, Erica. Hi, Christine. I'm so happy to join you for this conversation. I know, it's fun. Maybe just start off by giving them a brief history of DISC, the DISC assessment, because there's a lot of people out there that are like, what is this and why do I see this everywhere? Absolutely, because it is fascinating and it's far reaching in terms of how far back you can really track the history of the DISC profile. So I think that's why it is familiar to people, even if they haven't taken it. It's one of the few that that people recognize as a tool for these kind of assessments. It's officially called a personal development learning experience. That's how they brand it, personal development learning experience. And one of the most important things with any of these kind of profiles, assessments, tools that you might be using is that pretty much all of them are designed to measure preferences and tendencies and kind of personality habits. None of these, including DISC, are meant to be any kind of intelligence measurement. So that's an important, before I even get into the history, I think that's an important thing to say right from the start and probably say a few times over. (laughs) It's true, you know, because I do get people that say to me, how do we beat this test? 100%, yes. How do we beat this test? Or this is proving that I'm the best right? Like this tells, this is going to prove once and for all that I'm the right kind of person. (laughs) There's not a right or wrong. Um, And so, but DISC goes back pretty far. So the person that's largely credited with inventing, for lack of a better word, DISC is a man named Dr. William Moulton Marston. William Moulton Marston. That's a mouthful. He was a Harvard professor, a psychologist, a lawyer, and he outlined the that acronym DISC for the first time in a book from 1928 called The Emotions of Normal People. So The Emotions of Normal People, Dr. Marston had some different words to go with the acronym. We'll get to the current ones in just a little bit, but his words were dominance, inducement, submission, and compliance. Wow. So interesting words to describe personality profiles. And he kind of nodded toward Dr. Carl Jung as his inspiration to come up with DISC. 
citing a book by Jung a few years earlier in 1921 that talked about people in four distinct ways as thinking, feeling, um, sensing or sensation, and intuitive or intuition. So Dr. Marston said Jung inspired him using those four words to think about four distinct types of people. And then if you really want to dig further than that, Jung cited his inspiration in 1921 all the way back to 400 BC and sort of the earliest writings and storytelling that talked about people as elements, that people's personalities actually fit within the four distinct elements of fire, air, earth, and water. So you could, it's not too much of a stretch to say that the development of DISC goes all the way back to the dawn of man. <laughs> wow. And so when you think about the, the, the many different personality profiles and assessments on the market, I really think of DISC as the trunk of the tree. And then from there, all of the other assessments kind of have sprung. So you'll see if you are someone that loves these and takes a lot of these, you'll see similarities in them for yeah. good reason. So Dr. Marston didn't actually create any kind of assessment tool. He just created the acronym and started this idea that DISC was a good way to think about personality types. So it wasn't actually until 1950s that a psychologist, Dr. Walter Clark, created the first tool that can be linked to DISC. It was called the Activity Vector Analysis. And he used those four letters, D-I-S-C. And then not until the 1960s, did some sort of collection of results from those assessment tools get published in the Journal of Psychology. And then in the 1970s, people started to take it and then it was off to the races. So really since the 1970s, the DISC as an assessment tool has been widely used. Like you referenced, a lot of different organizations use DISC. We use one of the most commonly recognized one, which is the Everything DISC profile by Wiley. Uh, and they've been putting that instrument and many complementary instruments out since the early 2000s. So that's, right. that's the nutshell of the, the many layered history. Thank fun, you, Professor Erica. Well, hey, here's a fun fact about Dr. Marston, who was the, you know, credited as the creator. When we kind of chuckle at the original words he used, you know, for the DISC, one other notable fun fact about Dr. Marston is he's also credited with inventing or creating the character of Wonder Woman. Oh, all right. So there you have it. <laughs> well, now I'm bought in for sure. I know. <laughs> in the sea of assessments that are yes. out there, right? So many of them, we use a lot of them. Uh, why should a company or a person choose DISC for their personality development learning experience? Yes, because the main benefit to choosing DISC is, and all the tools will say this, but they're designed to help you understand yourself better, which is always great, but probably more importantly, designed to help you understand your coworkers better. So what it's going to reveal are, like I said before, sort of tendencies and preferences. So in the workplace, that's really important because it includes what motivates us, what annoys us, when we're most productive, 
how we like our recognition. Really everything about our work personality can be highlighted or even sometimes brought to light through a profile like DISC. So it helps me understand, oh, this is why I like this, don't like this, why that person drives me crazy, why we're always butting heads. But then it also helps me um, expand my understanding which allows me the opportunity to expand my connection with the coworker that I am butting heads with to say, oh, this is why they prefer communicating this way as opposed to that way, things like that. So really in the end, taking these kinds of assessments and DISC is very accessible. You know, it's very straightforward. That's why I think it's a great starting line because it's so straightforward and basic and simple yet profoundly revealing that's going to help me and my coworkers, my team, my direct reports, my supervisors. We're going to understand each other better, which means we're going to work together more efficiently, which means as a company, we're going to be more productive, you know? Yes. What I love about that is that most of the time, really you're talking about emotional and social intelligence, right? 100%. And when I'm working with companies, they don't often ask how they can get better at knowing themselves, but they always ask yes. how they can get better at knowing their colleagues yes. and because it's a guessing game. Right. And certainly the first step of that is knowing yourself better, right? That reflective yeah. state. But then the other part that I love when I've seen you do DISC, let's say with our team, is that it opens up the curtain and you can kind of talk about these things that most of the time we're left guessing on. So I might be guessing like, oh, I think she likes it when I publicly recognize her. So therefore I'm going to do that. Or I like that. So therefore she must like that. And what this tends to do that I'm always amazed at when I see you facilitate it with our staff is that I learn something inevitably, even though I've worked with these people for, you know, like in your case, over 20 years. Yeah. So it kind of takes off some of that pressure of guessing yeah. and the pressure of like going up to them being like, Hey, how do you like your recognition? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what was so interesting about what you said about how, and I found the same to be true. More people are saying, help me understand why that guy over there is such an idiot, you know, <laughs> as opposed to let me deepen my self-awareness. There was a recent study uh, on self-awareness that the statistics were so stark in that maybe 85 to 90% of us will self-report that we are very self-aware, but in actuality, only about 20% of us are. So we're actually terribly unaware of our own levels of self-awareness. And wow. so, isn't that crazy? I mean, let that sink in for a minute. Most yeah. of us are wrong about how self-aware we are, is what that really <laughs> tells us. And we can criticize about that, but the truth is we just, we like what we like. Our style is what it is. We prefer things the way we prefer them. And so it's a natural human tendency to assume, well, surely that's the right way and that's the way everyone else will too. Right, the golden rule versus the platinum rule, right? Exactly. Do you know that one? I, it's my favorite. Thank you for bringing that up. We could do a whole separate podcast on that, but that golden rule of, I'm gonna do it the way I want because clearly that's the way everyone wants. The platinum rule says, let me actually stop and pay attention. How would Christine prefer this as opposed to how I would prefer it, right? So DISC is a great way, like you said, even if you think you know someone through and through. So even for companies that have teams that have worked together for decades, you're gonna learn, you're gonna be surprised at what you discover. And then especially for teams that are newer um, freshly forming, have you know newer staff on board. This kind of tool is a fantastic way to quickly understand what motivates, what frustrates, 
what stops people from being their most productive, what encourages people. Like you said, it, it takes away the guessing. It's right there in black and white right in front of you. Yeah. So let's jump in with what is some of the, the juice, like some of the things that have happened that you've seen so that people can get an idea of like, oh, okay, I could see this kind of unveiling itself in our with our team. Well, the most important thing to start with is just to give you a rundown of, of what the four are. Even just understanding that has begun the, oh, in the trainings that I've done, just understanding where you fit. So DISC, if you can imagine a circle, DISC is broken into four quadrants. So starting at the top left, the D in DISC stands for dominance. And when you think about people in dominance in that category, in their assessment, these are active, fast-paced, bold, confident, direct, firm people. They are motivated by results, by winning, they're very competitive, okay? So that's your D. So I'm sure already you can imagine people that you work with that you already could say, oh, I imagine so-and-so would be a D. And you're probably right. In these cases, when you hear the personality types, you're usually right in terms uh -huh. of guessing who goes where, you know? So that's our Ds. Really thinking about active, fast-paced, very direct, questioning, very like task-oriented. And then if you go over to the top right is the I, which is influence. So influence, people in the influence category are also, like the Ds, very active, very fast-paced. Those are things that they have in common. But instead of being task-oriented, they're people-oriented. So that's a key difference between the Ds and the Is. So similar, they share that active, fast-paced, outward, outgoing, but where the D says, let's just get her done, the I's are, let's talk about your weekend first, right? <laughs> so I's are very outgoing, very talkative, very spontaneous, optimistic, high-spirited. Those are the people you're going to find in the I category. So those are the two in the top of the circle. And then if we kind of follow the circle clockwise down, bottom right quadrant is our S, that's our steadiness. So those are our steady people. So instead of active and fast pace, people in the S quadrant are more thoughtful and slower paced. So thoughtful and slower paced is what happens in our S categories. They're more cautious, but also very social, very accepting, very friendly even-tempered, calm. Their goal is to create harmony on the team. They're very cooperative. They like things to be steady, you know? Let's not be so spontaneous. Let's keep it steady, no changes, but very patient, loving, kind. Those are your S's. I love how you your whole tone changed when you said <laughs> You were like, very calm, very steady. <laughs> I'm mimicking the, the types as I go around, right? Yes. <laughs> and then our final quadrant, which is the bottom left, is our C, which is conscientiousness. Like the S's, they're thoughtful and slower paced. So that's what they share in common. So your top quadrants and your bottom quadrants share kind of pace and kind of action versus thoughtfulness, right? So your bottom quadrant is slower paced and more thoughtful than action oriented. Whereas the S's on the right side share kind of accepting with the S's, the C's on the bottom left side share questioning with the D's. So if you look at the quadrants that way, it's really fascinating as well. So unlike the D's though, our conscientious people are very reserved, oftentimes private. They're very systematic and precise. They like getting things right. 
they set very high standards for themselves and others. So it's very analytical, precise, less sort of competitive and, and kind of bold as the dominant ones on the top, but still very much about, I wanna see it, I wanna see the results, very systematic. So that alone, like I said, as I was going through them, you probably, as I'm describing some words that are most commonly attributed to those four types, are picking out coworkers and ascribing a letter to them. And most likely you're right. So that alone, like you said, let's get into the juice. Just getting the assessment results makes people start to go, oh, okay. I understand. Now I understand. I'm a D. So so for me, I and many of us are kind of a combination of two letters, right? So I'm an SI, which means I'm a combination of steadiness and influence, which means I'm very people oriented. I'm very much about team harmony, also very outgoing, kind of optimistic, you know, team cheerleader type. I want to make sure everyone feels okay. I want to hear about your life. I drive D's crazy. They don't care about your weekend. They don't need me to tell in color-coded bullets what the task is, right? (laughs) They don't need me to make sure they're okay along the way. They want to know the task, do the task, get the task done, you know, fast-paced. So when we start to look at ourselves in contrast to people on different parts of the circle, we start to understand why we are kind of miscommunicating or where we're missing the mark in terms of, I'm not connecting with this person and I'm not sure why. Sometimes it's as simple as that. The style is just different. It's not one right, one wrong, but it's so different. And when we start to understand that, especially if we're in a supervisory position, if I start to understand that on my team, I can start to lean into this person is fueled by A or B and let me try to manage my leadership style towards that preference to see better results, you know? Yeah, I can see that. I was going, if you at home were maybe doing the same thing I was, is that definitely going through like my entire executive team that reports to me and seeing exactly that they're in all the different quadrants, different people, but so strong, some of them, right? In those quadrants. So that was interesting. I'm an I, just I, I only got one letter. You're just, and that just makes total, I. No, that makes total sense to me knowing you for 20 years, because that idea of like very bold, very fast paced, very action oriented, but also very personable very spontaneous, like able to change, willing to throw out the plan on a moment's notice and go with a new one, very optimistic, high energy, all of those things. And so it of course is who you are, but it's not just like, oh, Christina's choosing that she's gonna be this way. That's just genuinely how you're designed, how your tendencies are designed. Which will drive my finance department crazy. (laughs) So that's what I was about to say. So if we go down, like if we go across the circle to the C's who are conscientious, they're almost exact opposite of you in every way, right? Mm -hmm. They want to move slower. They want to be more reserved and private. They don't need to be so gregarious and outgoing. They want to see results. They want to be analytical. We don't need to change things up. If we've set a plan, let's stick to the plan, et cetera. So what happens is if we're not tuning into these kind of tools, we can spend way too many hours trying to figure out how to turn the other person into being more like us. And it, it's just futile effort. 
it's wasted effort because ultimately we can kind of force ourselves into um, behaviors and tendencies that aren't natural to us because our supervisor tells us to, but we're going to be miserable. And we're not going to be as productive, honestly. So instead of spending all these wasted hours trying to make you more like me, I should be spending those hours understanding you better and helping you understand me better and finding ways to meet halfway. Yes. That's that's the productive workplace, you know? I've learned this by now, but I still fall into this trap, is that I want to get a sense of, a, you even hear it in my words, a sense of where we are on our numbers, right, for the year. I don't, if I go to my director of finance, he hates that question, which to me is the, like, how are we doing? Like, we're gonna, yeah. you know, we're on track. And he's like, what? And he wants, he's like, I feel like you're giving me a pop quiz. And I'm like, nope, not a pop quiz. Just, just ballpark it for me. Like, how are we doing? Ballpark. And that, that question alone of ballparking numbers no. stresses him out to no avail. And so finally I have learned, although sometimes I have to be re-reminded, is I'll have to give him a few days notice and I'll say, hey, I'm interested in coming up with like a number of where we stand right now. Can you give that to me by the end of the week? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be precise. Just, and I have to be that clear. Otherwise he wants it to be exactly precise. You yes. Know, which takes forever in my mind as in a your mind. person. In your mind, right. So that's that example of like a person in that C quadrant, they're going to love a SMART goal, right? Mm -hmm. Because you make something specific and measurable and timely. They're going to love everything about that. A plus B equals C and I can see it on a spreadsheet versus someone in the I quadrant. And even me, who's is kind of a, I'm right on that line between S and I. Let's just ballpark it, like you said. Let's just see broad strokes. Oh, what's going on today? And that's perfectly okay, you know, to live in that kind of ambiguity or more generalization. Uh, it's less precise. And we love to swim in that ocean, right? But someone in the C quadrant, that's gonna drive them crazy. Someone in the D quadrant, it won't drive them crazy as much, but what's gonna be most important is like, what's the target? Where are we now, but what are we trying to get to? And I'm gonna get there first, faster, better. And you know, the best thing you can do for that person, you've been known in the past to say, let your fast horses run, right? The best thing you can do for a D is let them run. Like give them the target and get out of their way because they're driven by, I see the target and I'm gonna get there. Results are what matters. It's fascinating though too. So, you know, the funniest things that happen in trainings are these completely inconsequential moments, but that make people just fall out of their chair with what is happening, right? So I was doing a training recently to start the training. I just asked, they've all taken their assessment, right? So everyone knows what they are. But the, just the kind of a team building, breaking the ice kind of question of what is your favorite kind of ice cream? So there were two people in the room, only two that had the CD combination. So they were the only two people in the room that had that combination of letters. They were the only two people in the room that had butter pecan as their favorite ice cream. <laughs> and they were like, what? 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 And everyone else, of course, was like, butter pecan, that's your, ew, you know? It was, we, we could have gotten off course for an hour talking about ice cream because it's that moment of someone understands me. <laughs> and, you know, 
we can laugh in those kind of aha moments. We can laugh and laugh about them. And then when you, you know, kind of put pen to paper and really look at your team, you just start to have aha moments all over the place of those kinds of, it seems like it doesn't matter, but it means everything in terms of how much a person is going to feel valued. Are they going to feel like they're getting the work done to the standard that they have for themselves and everything in between, you know? Yeah. I also just want to make sure that I point out because you mentioned the report that with once you take the everything disc assessment, a report is automatically generated for you that you get. And it's it's hefty. Like you get everything. So even if, you know, when you come to the training and some people who do the training don't give you the report till afterwards, there's lots of different. We usually send it to you ahead of time for those of you who want to be prepared for the training. Probably some of those uh, C level, those conscientious folks like to have the information, don't want to be sprung upon them in a spontaneous way. We send it to them. Most of those eyes like myself don't read it till afterwards, yes. right? <laughs> We look at the first page and then we, you know, wait till to get the surprise of Erica's session. But then you get, you do get this huge report that you can access it for a long time. You have you have the ability to, to share those. Even on our leadership team at our office, one of the things we did was we printed out everybody's, back in the day when people printed out stuff, but printed out things and gave it to everybody so that we could read about it, you know? And I think that's when I, and I tell this story all the time, Erica, with you, because We've worked together for so long. And one of the things after rereading some of this, I realized like, oh my God, Erica likes to have her information in an email form. Like Mm -hmm. she likes that kind of communication. And that is probably the opposite of how I would ever choose to communicate. Um, You know, I like to use my speak as a way of thinking, you know, um, I don't like think first and then speak. I'm speaking and that's how I think of things. Um, and so I really learned that in that moment. And even though I'm still not great at it, I admit, but I do try to think like, okay, can I give her a gift this week of sending her anything in writing ahead of time? And I'm not always go through with it, but I at least have that understanding that that is your preference. And I know that that's how you'll send me stuff. Right. And I do read it and I'll take it in and it gives me a sense of like where your mind is at in a way that you don't usually share as much when we're one-on-one in a room, like you're, you're share, but you, maybe there's some thoughts that you haven't put together yet that you'll Mm -hmm. send me an email. So I appreciate So that was one of those things as an example, even just between you and I, that I learned through doing this process, you know, and I I could say different versions of that for everybody on my, on our team, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it is important to, like you said, to kind of run through the the typical process for this, which I think is incredibly valuable is, is step one is taking the assessment. And usually that's where people, you'll get a lot of resistance because, oh, another test or another thing I have to do. It really does not take too long. It's the kind of assessment, if you've ever taken any, that you've come to expect. It asks you, would you rather this or that? Do you like this versus that? In this situation, would you do this or that? And then it'll ask you the same version of that question in different forms. And from that, like you said, a report, a personalized report is generated that tells you this is what your letter or letters are. Like you said, some of us are just one letter. You're straight I, I through and through. Some of us are skirting the edge of a few, you know, so it it really goes into this is where you fell and let us tell you about yourself. 
and it gives you this beautiful story of yourself, which that also is a fun conversation piece, which is what do you think of the story this profile report told of you? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Would you make some amendments to it? And by and large, I find that most people go, oh my gosh, I mean, yes, I agree with it. And what they'll tell you is that certain huge life events or environmental factors or, or massive shifts in your life may change where you fall. Like if you took it 10 years ago versus today, if there has been significant shakeup in your life, in your work environment, then you may change. But by and large, if you took it 10 years ago, today and 10 years from now, you're going to be in the same quadrant because we are who we are. So let's go back to 400 BC, <laughs> earth, air, wind, and fire. Like who we are is who we are. And so that personalized profile, like you said, is really thick and it tells you a beautiful story of who you are, kind of where your priorities and work oftentimes shift. And then as you started to touch on, it says, here's a guide on how to work with the other people so that we get past, well, how do we get them to work like I do? Right. Instead, it says, if you're an I, here's some tips on working with a D and an S and a C so that you really do start to use that platinum rule and say, let me really try to understand Christine better. Let me see what she might prefer today. Maybe I'll try communicating this way instead of that way. Maybe I'm going to handle our conflict this way instead of that way, even if it's causing me to step out outside of comfort. Yeah, one of the other assessments that we use sometimes with organizations, and we talk about it in one of our other podcasts, is social styles and versatility. And it's very similar for quadrants, not a circle, but a boxes, right? But it has a versatility measure. And I think that what you're getting to is like, how versatile can you be with shifting along that disc? You know, there's something nice about the circle in disc, right? Because we sometimes think of quadrants as those upper quadrants being better or more powerful when that's not true. But there's yeah. something nice about a disc because it, you know, it turns and there's no kind of hierarchy in that. But yeah, I love the idea of that versatility score and how you can, that part of that social and emotional intelligence is getting better as a leader, as a colleague, at shifting just my way or the highway. I don't lose myself, but how do I adjust and maybe get better results? Results out of people, results out of our team, because that's the point is everybody's looking for a way and a road in to, to get something. And what I love about this, when I've seen you do this with all different organizations, is there's a shift in things because there's so much humor and love in the room. So in other words, you could be at home going, well, why don't I just take the assessment assessment and get the report and we all get the report and we do what it says. But that isn't as effective, right? As when we see what happens in the room, when you pull back the curtain and these things are talked about in a really like non-judgmental way. Yes, you hit exactly on it. The critically important third step in this process is the training. So step one is taking the assessment. Step two is receiving and absorbing your personalized profile. And then step three is the training with your team for exactly the point that you just described is that there's always so much laughter in that day. And this sort of like levity of, I can kind of make fun of myself and you in a safe way because we're creating a persona 
the D persona that's somehow separate from me in this way. So I can kind of poke fun at that D persona without feeling like I'm being personally attacked during the training. And also at the same time, understand so much more about how my coworkers tick, you know? We do, oftentimes we'll do um, something called a day in the life during the training where the Ds will all get together and the Is and the Ss and the Cs. So everyone of a like, style will get together and kind of map out a day in the life of the work in terms of if they had their ideal day, you know, if it wasn't bombarded by other outside factors. And that is so telling and funny. I was doing a training last month where one of the D's afterward cracked up because they were like, we, our day in the life was like, I'm going to get on the phone calls and do the these tasks and get this inbox done and I'm gonna do this and this is gonna get done and you know action me action me and and they were like and then the S's came along and they were all like I'm stopping at the coffee machine and talking to my coworker I'm checking in on this person's you know sick uncle I'm, I'm making sure the team you know the meeting room is set up nicely it was and they were laugh laugh laughing not again not at them but in the difference in approach to the day was so eye-opening. I mean, I know I've said that word so many times, but it's so eye-opening in terms of, wow, we're just programmed differently. And how beautiful to just be able to speak about it very directly. So in the training, because it's kind of an artificial laboratory, we can speak very directly about our type without feeling singled out, without feeling like we're wrong. And the thing that, you know, for me as the trainer, the most important message to keep repeating throughout the day is that there is not one right or wrong. And in fact, the most effective thriving teams, as any of these assessments will tell you, the most effective thriving teams need all four. So if you're in a team and you find that you're filled with all Ds, you're going to find a lot of missing pieces to your productivity and a lot of frustrations in terms of how you drive a task from start to completion versus a task that's all C's, for example, or I mean a team that's all C's. So that really when we look at a healthy, thriving team, we need to have representation from all four quadrants. And when we do have those, all four quadrants represented and all four quadrants respected and valued, then you're unstoppable. You're gonna have the highest profits, the lowest turnover. You know, you're gonna see this kind of thriving ecosystem in your culture, in your, in your environment. Yeah, I was noticing to that point, one of the team leaders we were working with in an organization, he was a D, right? He was a, one of those dominant, high energy, you know, talk to him in bullets, get stuff done, action oriented, you know, goal oriented person. And what he found was that because he was doing all of the hiring for his team, almost everybody was some sort of D, version of D, right? Because mm -hmm. we immediately like, likes, like, like we yes. go for that in if we're not careful in how we hire. And so he had everybody that way. It was a sales team which can be good for sales, but also depending on the type of client that you're going after. So what they were finding was they were not getting any of those clients that were very interested in building relationships first. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, why are we always missing out on these particular businesses? And once we looked at it, he had that aha moment of like, oh my gosh, I need to have somebody else in my hiring process that can also look for these different types of folks who might frustrate me to death in yeah. talking to them, right? Because they're not getting to the point fast enough. 
when you really look at it, they're going to be the ones that should be sent to specific leads. And yeah. so that that was one of those aha moments that actually uh, generated funding for them because he came back to me later and was like, oh my gosh, we found somebody who has more of those other quadrants that can go after those targets. So I thought that was an interesting aha moment there. And there's so many, right? I mean, we get them all the time. Yeah. These different things that come up for people. Well, I love what you said about, you know, sort of like, likes, like in that we go naturally towards our type because we have a similar mindset and a similar pace and a similar approach. So it's very easy and very compatible just without effort, right? But that doesn't mean that's the correct way to assemble your team. And so just like you'll hear um, experts and read articles that talk about if just for ourselves to whack our own way of thinking, because this is true regardless of outside elements, I think the way I think and I feel the way I feel. And if I want to disrupt my own thinking or expand my own thinking, I have to intentionally pursue outside industries, you know? So they'll say, if you're in a business industry, go get some magazines from an art or architecture or something that's totally outside of your normal way of thinking and pursuing work. The reason they recommend that is, is to sort of whack your traditional way of thinking so that you expand your thought process. For me, the DISC profile and other assessments like it kind of invite us to think that way about our team itself so that we are intentionally moving towards what's not naturally like me or a different way of thinking. So if I have the luxury of being on a team where I've worked with the same people for a decade or more, I know who is thinking differently than me. So the easy thing to do is be like, well, they're not gonna think the way I think, so I'm gonna just skip that conversation altogether. That's right. The better thing to do, the more productive thing to do is to go straight towards that person and say, here's the challenge or here's the project. This is how I'm thinking about it. Tell me your thoughts. And then wouldn't you know it, usually the third doorway opens, that my mind and your mind create something beautifully different that neither of us would have thought of on our own. But it takes effort and intention. So these kind of trainings kind of plant the seeds, in my opinion. You know, they just start that, they kind of turn the lens a little to make you understand, oh, this is why that person is the way they are. And then the next thing that sort of challenges, so what are you gonna do about it? All right, I'm excited. Erica, thank you so much. I'm thank excited you. to go back and look at our profiles and see if there's some, some more work I can do to bring our team to peak performance. So thank you very much. And thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Stepping Into Your Leadership. If you wanted to know more about Everything DISC, just check out the show notes as well as subscribe and like us if you want to have more of us in your inbox. Also, if you want to check out our website for any of the other podcasts that we have on some of the assessments that Erica and I mentioned besides Everything Disc and seeing what might be right for your company, we'd love to come out and work with you directly. Thank you guys. See you next time. Hey everybody, Greg Shammy here. As we're closing out today's episode, I've got an awesome opportunity for your new managers and people leaders. Starting May 1st, our transformative eight-week online course called Leadership Learning Lab will kick off. In this course, managers will learn how to build trust and engage their teams 
communicate more effectively, and empower themselves and others to achieve success. Imagine if early in your career you had learned how to master the art of impactful feedback, or how to navigate performance conversations with ease, and even how to delegate effectively. This course is an investment in your team to help your company grow and achieve ultimate success. It's an opportunity that will help your people transform their leadership skills in just eight weeks. Spots are limited. Pre-sale is open right now. This is a chance to get ahead and secure spots for your team members at a 10% discount. Use the code PRESALE, one word. Click on the link in the show notes for more info. And thank you so much for joining Christine today. I look forward to seeing your team in our Leadership Learning Lab.